Hello and welcome to Connect Points podcast and sermon archives. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at connectpointupc.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. upside down. This is what Pentecost has always been. I'm glad to be in a Pentecostal church on Pentecost Sunday. Amen. We honor you for being with us today, and if you are a guest with us, God bless you. We hope you come back and see us again. This is a great family to be a part of. I believe before this service is over that life change is going to happen. I believe that any time you gather together in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in an atmosphere like this, I believe anything is possible. So if you're sitting here today, you're addicted, you're struggling, you're downtrodden, oppressed, depressed, lost, confused, wandering around, there's answers in this place today, and the answer is going to come in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Last week, we examined the fact that when the Lord was upon the earth, in the flesh, he did so many wonderful things that the Bible finally says in John 21 and 25 that there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. We've examined that in just a few years of ministry, Jesus revolutionized his entire region and his era for all mankind and humanity to come to the point that they called him a prophet, to the point that they tried to make him even their king. In John 6, it tells us, then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, this is of a truth that prophet that should come into the world. And when Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone. He so moved the people with his power. He so moved them. They were so awestruck by the words that came out of his mouth and the work that he did with his hands that they were desperate to make him their king. They wanted him to stick around. They wanted to follow him. The question, therefore, can be asked, why did Jesus have to die? Why did he have to resurrect at all? Why couldn't he just stay with them and keep doing all the wonderful things? He could have just been eternal. He could just still be alive today, still living and walking amongst us. Uh, uh, Why wouldn't uh, uh, he just do that? Who wouldn't want a leader who could heal? Who would wouldn't want a leader that could deliver and provide and protect everywhere he went. They wanted him to linger and they went out of their way to find where he was so that they could be near to him. But that was so important that Jesus said to them, he knew that there, there was more to this. And this is where we learn the tremendous value This is where we learn the necessity of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not a third person in a three-person Godhead. The Holy Spirit is God manifested in a form that can come on the inside of us. 
It's God making himself not just a fleshly body walking around upon the earth, but in a form to where every single individual, no matter where they live upon the earth, could be filled with his glorious spirit. It was so important to Jesus that he said to them, I know you're sad because I'm telling you I have to leave and I have to go away. And I know that makes you very sad. But he said in John 16 and 7, nevertheless, I tell you this truth it is expedient for you that I go away for if I go not away the comforter will not come unto you but if I depart I will send him unto you it was that important for Jesus to go away in fleshly form to come in spirit form as the comforter which we are told in John 14 25 and 26 these things have I spoken unto you being yet present with you. He said, I'm telling you this stuff while I'm still here and you can physically see me and watch my lips move while the words are coming out of my mouth. He said, I'm spoken to you while I'm yet present with you, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you, and what is the major difference? What is the major difference between God in flesh and God in spirit? John 14 tells us that as well. In 16 and 17, he says, I'll pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, but then the major difference kicks in. Major difference between God in the flesh and God in the spirit. You know him because he has been dwelling with you and shall be in you. Oh, hallelujah. John 14 and 20, at that day ye shall know that I am in my Father and ye in me and I in you. Not with you. You shall know that I am in you, and anyone who downplays the significance of being filled with the Holy Spirit is missing the extreme value and the utmost necessity that Jesus puts upon it. It's expedient, he says. It's better for you that I go away. It's better for you that I go away because if I go away, I can come again as the comforter, as the Holy Ghost, as the Holy Spirit, and I'll no longer just be around you, but I'll be in you. And when I come into you, that's going to change everything. It was so much more than just goosebumps and feel goods in a church service. There are reasons we need the Holy Spirit. I took a little bit of a chance this week. I know it's a, it's a holiday weekend. I figured we would have guests here. I understood that we had all this other stuff happening. It's one of those weird Pentecost Sundays. It's also Memorial Day weekend. We wanted to honor that. I took a little chance that I, I could just try to preach a 15-minute uh, inspirational raw message. But I took a little chance to give some scripture to us today. Because I believe somebody could be filled with the Holy Ghost before they leave this place this morning. Amen. But I also believe that no matter what happens, you, might, you need to walk out of here understanding that the power of the Holy Spirit is alive and well. And God is still moving and his word is forever settled in heaven and it's still happening today.
There are reasons we need the Holy Spirit in our lives. In John 16, 12 through 13, I have yet many things to say unto you, Jesus said, but you cannot bear them now. I want to tell you more, but you can't handle it. Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. Somebody say all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. The spirit of truth is also the comforter, or the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Ghost. They're all the same thing. Somebody say they're all the same thing. Before we receive the Holy Spirit, there are things we cannot handle or understand. But the spirit of truth is a teacher. The spirit of truth is a guide. The spirit of truth, it says, shall guide you into all truth. That's why when people truly get filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, the Bible begins to make more sense to them. Preaching begins to make more sense to them. The teaching of the word begins to make more sense to them. What God requires of us and why he requires it begins to make more sense to them. It gets easier to see the lies of the devil and the truth of God's word when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Can somebody say yes to that? Is that true or what? People all around the world are being filled with the Holy Ghost at record numbers. Sometimes on Pentecost Sunday, I take the time to try to convince everybody by showing you the raw data of the amount of people that are being filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm not going to do that this year. You can do the research for yourself. But at unprecedented numbers around the entire globe, people are being filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, uh, speaking with other tongues as the Spirit alone gives them the utterance. But some people struggle, mostly because they don't take time to seek it. He said, if you hunger and thirst, you shall be filled. He said, if you'll search after me with all your heart, you're going to find me. He said, knock, the door's going to be open. Seek, you shall find. Ask, you're going to receive. The problem is, is that we live in a society today that is so distracted that is so chasing after the next thing, that is so caught up in the moment that we don't take the time to seek after the Lord. I promise you, if you seek the Lord in this place today, you will find him. Amen. If you knock on the door of heaven, let me tell you, the door's already open. It's going to happen in this place today. Jesus had to really stress even to the disciples who had been with him and saw all of the miraculous things and heard all of the anointed words, he had to really stress even to them before he ascended into heaven. In Acts 1, 3 through 5, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days and speaking of them things pertaining to the kingdom of God and being assembled together with them, commanded them, that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. Jesus said, I know you've seen me walk on water. You've seen me open the blinded eyes. I raised Lazarus from the grave. I touched that widow woman's son. He got up out of a, out of a coffin. I know you've seen me do all this stuff, but i got to stress something to you. I'm about to leave. And when I leave, you need to stay focused. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. 
which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John, John the Baptist, truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from now. Jesus told his closest people, wait on me. Don't go anywhere. Don't do anything else. Don't get distracted by anything else. Focus, because I'm about to do something life-changing. Wait for the promise and you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. He needed them to not miss the crucial experience because this crucial experience changed everything and it was necessary for their future success as Christians. It was necessary for the future success of the church. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is not just to make us feel good for a moment, although it does feel pretty good. It's not just to make us feel good for a moment. It's not a temporary high that we end up chasing all the rest of the days of our lives. Its purpose is to transform us into a clearer image of Jesus Christ. We become a funnel by which the Spirit can flow through. We become, the Bible says, witnesses. Everybody say witnesses. Acts 1 and 8. Ye shall receive power. After the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Not before the Holy Ghost comes. After the Holy Ghost comes upon you, ye shall receive power. And when you do, uh, ye shall be witnesses unto me, uh, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Each of us uh, have our own version of Jerusalem and our own version of Judea and Samaria, expanding levels of influence, if you will, of those that are closest to us and then those as it expands outwardly from us. When we have our personal Pentecost and we are filled with the Holy Spirit, it is like indeed a fire that has been lit where we stand and that fire begins to spread out all around us and suddenly uh, family members are saying something's different about you and close friends are saying I've never seen you be like this before and our wives and our husbands our children our daughters they're all saying something's different I've never seen this person before because there's a transformation power that comes into a life when you are filled with the spirit of God and it cannot help It cannot help but spread out from you. People's expectations of you start to change. Yeah. You've always been the person that always did the thing. And all of a sudden, you're not that person doing that thing anymore. Why? Because something real has happened. I wasn't this person before the Holy Ghost came, but after the Holy Ghost came, suddenly I had power that I didn't have before. I had ability that I didn't have before. Oh, hallelujah. And as a witness, we simply tell others what we have personally experienced. This, by the way, is why you can't stop Pentecost. The reason why nobody's ever been able to stop Pentecost is because it doesn't expand by a good social media account. It doesn't expand because it latched on to a well-funded government program. It expands because a single person 
has a transformative experience and they can't help but tell everybody they know about what Jesus Christ has done for them. You can't stop a testimony. You can't shut up somebody who's been changed by the power of the Holy Ghost. All of us and everyone can become witnesses. There is no discrimination with God. There is no favoritism. We all have equal access and opportunity to be filled with the Spirit. They that hunger and thirst shall be filled. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we begin to see ourselves as the Lord sees us. In 1 John 4, 13, hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us because he hath given us his Spirit goes on to say in verse 17, herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. As he is, so are we. Now that would be a ridiculous claim to make, and it would be a dumb claim to make, unless you have the Holy Spirit. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because if you have the Holy Spirit, that means the power of God lives inside of you. And so it's no longer you. It's like Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I'm still alive. But it's not me, but Christ liveth in me. Oh, hallelujah. Anybody know what I'm talking about today? As he is, so are we. That only comes through the Holy Spirit. We can't just decide to be that way. There must be a transformation. You don't get to just say, I have the Spirit. I mean, you can. Free country still. God bless America. You can say it, but that would really be a shame to just claim something you haven't received because you're not going to have the power. You're not going to have the transformation. You're not going to have the life change, the view change, the mind change. Colossians 2, 6, 10, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him which is head of all principality and power. Consider that. Is that not what all humanity strives for? Ye are complete in him. When we are filled with the spirit of the almighty God, that completeness that our flesh longs for becomes possible. 1 Corinthians six seventeen says, but he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. It's not just me anymore, but I've got Jesus. Jesus on the inside of me. This isn't just my power, it's his power. Not just my wisdom, I got his wisdom. Not just my ability, I got his ability, which means I can truly say I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Oh, hallelujah. God is wanting to give us a sense of understanding and perspective. God is wanting to transform our minds and our ability to know that which really matters. 1 Corinthians 2, 
9 through 14, but as it was written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man uh, knoweth the things of man save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. He says you have to know the things I want to give you, the only way to know them is to have my spirit inside of you. When my spirit is in you, then you will know the things that I freely want to give you. Folks, if you don't have the Holy Ghost, you're just plain missing out. You're just missing out. There's more. There's so much more. Why not you turn to your neighbor and tell them there's more? Come on, tell them with some conviction. There's more. There's so much more. He says, the things I'm going to tell you, God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches. So we can speak things, but the teacher has to teach them to us first. And how do we get that? Through the Holy Ghost. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. They don't understand any of this until they get the Spirit. It doesn't make sense until they get the Spirit. It can seem like foolishness until they get the Spirit. But they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. There's an endless list of things that we cannot do nor understand in our flesh alone. But the Holy Spirit reveals them, directs them, teaches us about them. It is my greatest joy as a pastor to watch the transformation of a life. Oh, there's nothing better in all the world. The watch of transformation of life. Most often after you watch the transformation of a life, you begin to watch the transformation of a home of a marriage, of a family, of children. You begin to watch the transformation take place, but it does not fully happen until the Holy Spirit is active in a life. I'm not saying you can't make progress. You make progress the moment faith kicks in. I said the moment you act in faith, you're making progress. Faith leads us to repentance. Repentance leads us to baptism. Baptism leads us to the gift of the Holy Ghost. The gift of the Holy Ghost opens up a world greater than anything we can imagine that's going to take us all the way to heaven, and we'll be learning every step of the way. We need the Holy Spirit in our lives to transform completely and to do the complete work with the Spirit, we achieve what we never thought was possible. Freedom from sin. Freedom from self. Freedom from the mindsets and the patterns uh, that sabotage our lives and sabotage our culture. 2 Corinthians 3, 17. Now the Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. 
The Spirit of the Lord is what gives true liberty. And as we are filled with and grow in the gift of the Holy Ghost, uh, liberty brings hope and joy and peace. Romans 15 and 13. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Oh, hallelujah. You can try to conjure up hope. You can try to make up hope. You can try to talk yourself into a false hope. But if you want a real hope, you got to get filled with the Spirit of the Almighty God. And when you are filled with the Spirit of the Almighty God, there ain't nothing that can happen in this world and nothing the devil can do to take that hope away. Oh, hallelujah. There's a boldness that comes into a person. When they're filled with spirit, it scares the devil to death. Oh, man. It's a cool moment the first time you realize you can scare the devil. That's, you want to talk about empowering. That's an empowering moment. The first time you realize you can scare him. After all, he's been messing with you. The first time you can... You might just start messing with them a little bit. I'm just telling you. You start kind of just playing with that power a little bit. You know, just. <laughs> it scares the devil. Acts 4.31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness. Boldness. Some of you have felt weak. And intimidated from large portions of your life. You've never found your voice. You've never been able to stand up for yourself. The Holy Spirit brings a boldness like you've never felt before. There are people on the sound of my voice today right now that struggle still to this day, even as adults, with being able to say no. With being able to say no when people that don't care about your faith and they don't care about your God and they don't care about what you're trying to do and they try to come into your life and you're trying to make changes and you're trying to do things right and they come in they start trying to mess everything up, pull you away and distract you and you have never been able to say no. I'm telling you, when you're filled with the Holy Ghost, there's a boldness that comes into you. When the Spirit of God fills you, there's something that comes in. That Spirit of God comes in, and all of a sudden, you got your priorities a little bit clearer. All of a sudden, light, illumination, if you will, of the fire of the Spirit begins to show you people's motives and what they're trying to do. And you begin to see that there's a path I'm on that I want to be on. There's a direction I'm going that I want to go. I don't want to leave this path. I don't want to get away from this thing. I want this relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm fine with going to church. Thank you very much. I like reading my Bible. I I enjoy praying on my lunch break. I don't care what the world has to say. The world didn't give it, and the world can't take it away. I've been filled with the Spirit of the Almighty God, and I'm unafraid, and I'm unashamed, and I don't have to answer to anybody about that because I've got connected to Jesus Christ, and I've been filled. Now, that may seem a little crazy to some of you. That's good. That's fine. That's wonderful. That's pretty much how everybody starts out with Pentecost. It's usually a little crazy. It's usually a little crazy, a little wild. 
especially up here in the Northland. <laughs> Everybody just calm down a little bit. Shh. You can't. You can't. It's like fire. It was mentioned earlier. The prophet said, it's like fire shut up in my bones. I, I can't just sit here and act like I haven't been transformed. I can't just sit here and act like I didn't have a needle in my arm six months ago. I can't just sit here and act like I've never spent time in jail. I can't just sit here and act like everything wasn't falling apart and God's been putting everything back together. I can't pretend like my mind wasn't broken, but now my mind is healed. I can't act like I'm the same person I used to be. I'm not the same person I used to be. I've been renewed. I've been changed. I've been transformed by the power of the Holy Ghost. People say there's hypocrites in church. Well, it would be hypocritical for a Pentecostal to just sit there like a bump on a log after they've been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Oh, hallelujah. And so... God is doing all these things. This, there's a reason. We spent the last month of teaching about the many benefits of the fruit of the Spirit that we can have when we are filled with the Spirit. We can't have them until we're filled with the Spirit because it is the Spirit that produces them in us. You're missing the creative ability to have the fruit of the Spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness and temperance. Against there is such there is no law. And we've spent the last month of Wednesdays teaching on every one of those. But we understand I can't have any of those for real until I get the Spirit. Oh, hallelujah. We can also access the gifts of the Spirit, which many have desired to be used in the gifts of the Spirit. And they've been, they desire to participate in the gift of the Spirit, but they sometimes miss the most relevant of truth in 1 Corinthians 12, 4. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. I can't be used in the gifts of the Spirit if I don't have the Spirit. If I, if I try to operate in the gifts of the Spirit without the Holy Spirit, I'm trying to do the gifts of the Spirit in the flesh. And you're going to be frustrated and not successful. And you're going to wonder what the problem is. You're going to be like, where are you at, God? He's going to say, I'm everywhere except in you. If you'll just get me in you, then we can do this gifts of the Spirit thing. The Holy Spirit even helps us to pray. Romans 8 26, likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. All of this, you add all of this up, add all of this life transformation and blessing and direction and empowering and all of this stuff, it's clear it really was expedient that he go away. It was good for us that he went away so that he could come again in the form of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, the form of the Comforter, the Spirit of Truth. And he chose to do that after his death, 
burial, resurrection, after he spent 40 days showing himself with many infallible proofs. He chose to leave them, and then he chose to return on a feast day that had already long been recognized by the Jewish people, the Feast of Pentecost, which was celebrated 50 days after the Passover. It was a time when people traveled from all over the region, and they would come to Jerusalem, and they would fill the city streets of Jerusalem. These were people that lived far enough away to where they had some of their own culture, spoke some of their own languages, but they would all gather back in Jerusalem, and they would celebrate 50 days after the Passover, the Feast of Pentecost. And so this year, at this time, his death, burial, and resurrection had happened during the Passover. They had had their Passover meal together right before he was taken and crucified. It was during the Passover that they hung him on a cross and he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. It was during that time. And then after he is Buried and 50 days later, we find in Acts chapter 2, 1 through 4, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Where were they at? They were still waiting, right? He said, I command you, do not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. And so there they were after they had watched him ascend into heaven. There they went and they got in an upper room in Jerusalem. And the Bible says they were all in one accord in one place on the day of Pentecost. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and it sat on each of them and they were all filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They began to speak in other tongues. They began to speak with language they did not know and had no ability to speak. Why? Because the Spirit gave them the ability. Nobody is going to teach you how to speak in tongues today. Nobody's going to say, repeat after me and you'll have the Holy Ghost today. Nobody is going to try to show you the noises and the sounds that need to come out of your mouth for you to say, I have the Holy Spirit. You know why we don't touch that? We don't touch that because that's bringing man-made stuff into only God's stuff. We're trying to do something that only God can do. No, sir. No, ma'am. Get your hands off of it. Lift up your hands unto heaven and just repent of your sins and begin to worship the Lord and you shall I'll receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And the only one who can do that is the Lord. He's the only one that can do that. So the Spirit is poured out on the day of Pentecost. And they're all of them, 120 in that room, are filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, speaking with other tongues, and they begin to pour out into the streets. And Peter and the disciples stood up because a whole bunch of people came around. A whole bunch of people were like, I gotta, I'll, I'll go see what's going on down here. <laughs> I love, I love 
that that's how the Pentecost, the Pentecostal, <laughs> that's the only thing that Jesus ever called the church, by the way. I love that that's how it started. They got together, they prayed, they obeyed, God moved, and they were like, well, this ain't just for us. This isn't just about us. Next thing you know, 3,000 people are gathered around wondering what in the world is going on. The Bible says some of them thought they were drunk. Peter quickly says, no, they're not drunken. At least not like you think they're drunk. He said, the Spirit of God has come upon them. Peter begins to preach. And the crowd hears him preach. They see him and they listen and they feel something while he's preaching. They feel something inside of them that says, I need to pay attention. This is important. And when he gets done preaching, they ask a very important question. Acts 2. 37, and when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart, and they said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? What shall we do? What, what do we do now? What do we do now? And the answer, somebody say the answer. Everybody say the answer. The answer to what do we do now? That may be on your lips too. That may be what you're feeling in your heart today. What do I do now? The answer is the same today as it was then. And it will always be the same. In verse 38 and 39, Peter looked at them and he said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and your children and to all them that are far off even as many as the Lord our God shall call what you're feeling in this house today is he's still calling he's still calling he's still trying to pull people close he still wants people to repent of their sins because if we'll repent he'll forgive if we'll say I'm sorry He'll forgive. If we'll say you're God and I've sinned against you and I, I need you to help me, he will forgive us. He's still trying to pull people close so that they'll get baptized. That they'll go down in a watery grave of baptism as it is told to us in Scripture and that they'll do it in the name of Jesus Christ, completely immersed in the water. You say, why do you Pentecostals baptize that way? We baptize that way because every time anyone in the Bible was baptized, that's how they did it. That's why we baptize that way. understand we could change it I understand we could make it easier I understand we could not make you get in the water and all of that but that's not how they did it in the Bible so we can't do it that way but they also understood the very very valuable truth that there is one God 
and he has one name, and his name is Jesus. And that that one God, the fullness of the Godhead bodily, that he is the Father, and he is the Son, and he is the Holy Spirit, that he is all of them, and all of, oh, hallelujah. And so he said, there's a name that I've attached. There's a name that I've attached to the title of Father and the title of Son and the title of Holy Spirit. And that name is Jesus. And you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. He says, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Stand with me if you would, please. You shall receive all of those things that I just preached about. All of those things that I just talked about. All of those things come when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. This is about today, and it's about the rest of your life, but it's also about eternity. It's also about heaven and hell, folks. Paul talks about how we can have confidence in heaven. How can a person have confidence in heaven? And 2 Corinthians 5 and 5 says, Now he that wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, and also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. Earnest of the Spirit. Is talking about when we are filled with the Spirit, there's an assurance of heaven to come. Our confidence in our eternity rises drastically when we are filled with the Spirit of God. And I can tell you today, this life is much easier to live when you have a hope and a confidence of an eternal home in heaven. Do you want to have confidence today? Do you want to have confidence in heaven? Do you want to have all of these blessings that he's promised us in scripture? I want you to listen to one final verse, Luke 11. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, Will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? It's not hard. It's not hard. You don't have to take a literacy test, a biblical literacy test. You don't have to jump through a bunch of hoops. He's ready to forgive us when we repent. He's ready to wash our sins away when we're baptized. And he's ready to fill us with the gift of the Holy Spirit. Would you lift your hands and begin to talk to the Lord right now? In the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. 
Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online at connectpointupc.com. And also don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you and we hope you have a great week. Thank you.